Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined via the phone by uh, Pastor Bobby Joe King. Uh, Bobby Joe, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. You know, we um, love to start out asking people what their favorite ice cream is. Oh. Oh, my favorite ice cream is actually chocolate peanut butter swirl. Mm, That would be my kid's favorite. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so is there a place there in Virginia Beach you'd like to go get that ice cream in case our people ever are in Virginia Beach? Oh, well, actually, I just buy it at the grocery store. (laughs) Ah, you have a good brand you like. I do. Um, Eddie's, I believe, is the brand that that one is. Okay. Very good. Good to know. I like anything that makes ice cream crunchy. Um, pretty much, and yeah, I like Grace can tell you what he likes. I'm just plain vanilla, so <laughs> easy to please on that one. But uh, Bobby Joe, if you just start out uh, telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay, I am from Roanoke, Virginia. A little Virginia girl. People say I have a country accent. Um, I actually grew in a little town called uh, Vinton, Virginia. Uh, near the lake, and I grew up in the mountains as well as in the country, moved a couple times. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, we were Baptist at the time, but I had a holiness grandmother, and um, she taught me much of spirituality and a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, but my family and I grew up every Wednesday, Sunday, going to church when the doors were open, and um, my sisters and I going to choir on Tuesdays after school. And, um, yeah, just a a family who treasured the Word of God. You know, I have fond memories of, even though it was hectic, getting ready for school in the mornings, Mom would always um, say a prayer with us before we went out the door. So I was very fortunate to have uh, praying parents. And uh, then we would have devotions at nighttime as a family um, before we went to bed. That's kind of in a nutshell for that question. So what was it like uh, growing up uh, in the church and uh, going to church as a family? Any specific memories that stick out to you or any, you know, we talk about, you know, for those of us who were fortunate enough to grow up in the church, you know, maybe when we came to make that decision personally for ourselves, not just our parents, um, you know, telling us to go to church. Right. Well, um, from a very young age, um, I actually experienced the presence of God, and it may have been because of just my grandmother as well, always praying for us, and ever since I can remember, she says, Bobby, you were born to serve the Lord, and um, that just stuck with me throughout everything, thick and thin, every situation in life, ups and downs, disappointments. So I was in church, but um, actually the time that I accepted Jesus Christ personally, as my savior was when I was six years old. And um, ironically enough, my mom and dad were out of town on vacation. And I went to my grandmother's little white holiness church. 
And uh, the preacher uh, was preaching what you would imagine, kind of pale and brimstone, uh, yet he was preaching the Word of God. And uh, I'll never forget how, you know, he talked about no matter what age we are, we have sin in our life. And no sin, whether great or small, uh, can enter into the kingdom. So even I, Bobby Joe, at six years old, could not enter the kingdom of heaven if I knew of sin in my life and did not seek God for forgiveness. So uh, they began to saying I had decided to follow Jesus. And, you know, I was like, my heart was pumping, man. I was like, oh, I don't want to go up and I'm in front of all these people. You know, that was probably only 90 people. But to me, that was a lot of people. And uh, I said, okay, God, you know, once we're finished singing the song, because I even like to sing then, I'm like, I'll go up and I'll pray. I'll go to the altar. And as soon as the song ended, he just started praying and I didn't have the chance and I felt horrible. I couldn't breathe and I began to cry. And so I took my uh, older sister's hand, she was seven, <laughs> and I said, I need to go to the bathroom really fast. And so we went down, it was kind of creepy going downstairs to where the bathrooms were. And uh, I said, Erica, I don't need to go, but I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And so I always tell everyone, which is true, I said, we knelt on the cold tile floor. Our head was against the toilet, but our hearts were in God's hands. And <laughs> I accepted Jesus Christ right on the toilet there kneeling. And, you know, he just flushed my sins away. And mm-hmm. uh, I-, I tell kids now, you know, you may be young and you think you don't have any sin in your life. I said, but my sin was I lied um, because I didn't want to get in trouble or because I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings or um, what have you. And that was a big thing in my life. And I knew that it was sinful. And so that is one of the things I asked him to forgive me of specifically. And he did. And even at six, I could feel that total difference and change in my life. Um, you know, it's harder to explain as a six-year-old, but now I can remember. Um, and then, you know, I, at that time we were going to a Wesleyan church and then I went to a Baptist church and I wasn't baptized till I was 10 because they wanted to make sure I understood uh, what baptism stood for. And so it was at the end of the guest, and we went for the Sunday um, celebration and performance, and I went up to, to be baptized because I knew at that point I wanted God, I wanted Jesus to be the main focus in my life. So, yeah, and my parents were always supportive in that sense. Mm. They wanted me to follow God and to have Him in my life. Yeah, that's a good foundation, right? Like that's... Yeah, you know, as a young girl, to have that experience and to have that point that you can just look back to and go, this is definitely when it was, and uh, this is when I was baptized. And so, what did that look like as you became a teenager? Well, you know, God saved me at six, and that really, as you said, was an amazing foundation because He know He knew what was coming up a couple years mm. that I would need to lean on Him. I went through a, a period of abuse. And that foundation, although I felt like I could not tell anyone um, or even understand it all completely, (laughs) knew that I could take it straight to God. God was like a best friend to me. Maybe it was because I was so young um, that I could just talk with him. And maybe that's what it means. Come to me unless you can become as a little child. Mm -hmm. You cannot hear, but I knew he was listening. I knew he could see. And, you know, I'd climb a tree and just <laughs> bear my heart and then sing a song and then cry and then pray. And so that foundation carried me even through my teen years. Um, I was a teen in the sense that, yes, I, I faced temptations. And at an early age, I was opened up 
to good and evil feelings I shouldn't have ahead of time. But my relationship with Jesus Christ kept me from going in a direction I could have. Yes. Um, and maybe should have gone, but I didn't because I, I knew of his love for me. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want him to see things go on that he shouldn't right. see and experience. And it's hard to, I don't even know how to really explain it, but it was amazing. And I want others to know, I want parents to know, I want children and teens to know that, you know, there are so many things out there to allure you and to look good and appeasing and exciting, but they can lead you down such a road and you don't have to experience Mm. those things to experience God's amazing love and forgiveness for you. That's exactly Um, right. That's exactly right. Um, It's a powerful message. Yeah. So, uh, Bobby Joe, you mentioned that when, um, you know, even from an early age when you accepted Christ and you talked about your grandmother telling you that uh, the Lord was going to use you in ministry. And so, I don't know, maybe that didn't happen right away after high school, or but just talk about what led you into God's call for you into ministry and what that looked like and maybe connect those pieces. Mm. Well, at age 13, I went to a revival at my church, Benton Baptist, and there was a preacher there, and I cannot remember exactly what he was preaching, but I knew that God was calling me into ministry, not pastoring, because it was Baptist. A woman does not preach, so I never even thought of that, and I didn't know what that ministry looked like, but I knew God told me at that moment that I would be single for a long time. I would not marry till I was older. And I would not have my own children but to serve him and to go where he wants me to go. And then in the right time, he would send me my husband. So at that point, and even a little before, I was always asked to work with children's ministry, children's choirs. I led the adult choir when the um, worship leader was not available. So I was in ministry, uh, even though I wasn't even out of school yet. I taught adult uh, Sunday school occasionally which was interesting, too, because it was my mom and dad's class, and it was a church of 500. Um, So God kind of did little things like that to, I don't know, (laughs) give me experience or something. And then towards my senior year, uh, signing the yearbooks and everything, you know, one of the questions in the yearbooks is, where do you see yourself five years from now? And I just put a missionary in a foreign field. I did not pursue that as such uh, education. I went to Avery and then Liberty, and I majored in music, uh, specifically worship, and then was going to minor in elementary education. And then all in all, uh, I did four years of that. And then while I was attending Liberty University, I was on a special team called the uh, Ambassadors Team that went out on the weekends to uh, different churches and worked with the teams. And one day we went to a little white church in... Um, Danville, Virginia, which was where Averett College was, where I went my first uh, three years of schooling. And I would come home every weekend from Averett. Uh, I was a children and youth leader at a Baptist church in Troutville, Virginia. And there was this little white church to the left of me as I was coming home. And one day, God said, something special is going to happen there. And so while I was at Liberty, that was one of the churches we went to. (laughs) And the pastor was preaching in the book of Matthew that Sunday. And uh, he was preaching on two things, the rich young ruler who thought he did everything right. He met all the commandments, but God, Jesus said, there's one thing you're lacking. You must sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And because he could not or would not do that, he turned away and went away sad. Mm -hmm. 
And then the second part of that sermon was on, deny not the little children, but let them come into me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Well, by the end of that service, he did the altar call. And my heart started pounding again. I'm like, what, Lord, are you kidding me? I mean, I didn't say it that way. I do now, but it's like, I'm here to help these things. <laughs> I got nothing wrong. What's the matter, you know? But he kept nudging me. And so I finally went forward. I don't know. I think I was the only one up there. And I just began crying, and I didn't know why. And he began speaking, and he said, you know what? You're not going back to Liberty next year to finish your final year. And I said, what? Because after the three years of Averitt, he told me I wasn't going back. And I told him, well, I can't do this myself. You're going to have to do it for me. And so one of my scholarships ended up not being signed by one of the um, people who was supposed to sign it. So I knew I wasn't supposed to go back, even though two of my music professors said they were going to pay for me to, to finish there. And I said, well, no. God was clear I wasn't going, and I told him he was going to have to shut the door. So this is supposed to be the shut door. <laughs> so I didn't back there, and I waited a year and worked with children in a Christian preschool and kindergarten, and then I felt like God wanted me to go to Liberty. And so finances opened up for Liberty, and I was there that year. And then, of course, at this instance, he said, you're going to not return for your last year, and you're going to be the one to shut the door, not me this time. So... I was like, okay. So he said, and when you get up, you need to tell a friend because you are going to question it later. Mm. And so I got up and I told a friend. And then I went to school and I told my music professors. And they said, God would not be telling you to do that. He wants you to finish your education. And I said, I understand you and I hear you. But I also don't want to be like the rich young ruler who God Mm. Jesus spoke to. And he turned away sad because he did not obey. And so I didn't know what was next, but I didn't, I finished out that year and I didn't go back and it was, you know, getting ready to become summer had gone. And I was like, okay, Lord, did you really tell me this? And I said, because I, I don't know what you want me to do next. And I went to the mailbox, opened up the mailbox, pulled out a missions booklet from the um, Southern Baptist <laughs> and foreign mission board, which I'd never received before. And it was full of missionary opportunities, part-time and full-time. And so I was just looking through it because I loved missions. I always had a heart for Asia. So I was looking for Asia, you know, thinking, this is where God wants me to be. And he kept taking me back to Germany. I'm like, Germany? Really? (laughs) Germany? And I looked through China. I'm like, oh, this looks good, God. He's like, nope. And so I was struggling with that and... I was um, traveling, going up to the Blue Ridge. That's my quiet place and would pray and walk and go in the woods and sit by myself. And on the way back, I saw a billboard that spoke of Germany. And you never see billboards with Germany on it. And then I turned on the radio station and there was a preacher preaching on Germany and the need there. And I was like, are you kidding me? Okay, Lord, I know that. I cannot get out of this one. I have not seen billboards since, and I haven't heard preaching since on Germany. So I went home and told my mom, and she's like, Bobby Joe, you know, if God doesn't want you to go back to school, if you don't want to go back to school, that's one thing. Just get a job. Well, I've always worked two or three jobs all my life, so that was not the deal, you know, um, even in school. And so I called the Foreign Baptist Mission, Baptist Foreign Mission Board in Richmond and talked to them, and they're like, oh, great, what's your degree? And I'm like, well, I'm lacking a year, but... This is what I'm studying. And they said, well, why do you feel God calling you here? What's your testimony? And I told them, and they said, do you speak German? I'm like, no, I do not. (laughs) They're like, well, okay. You send in all of this information, and we'll get back with you. And I said, well, I'm going on vacation, so I'll be gone a week. Well, I got back, had a phone call and a message saying, okay, we want you there in a week if you can get here. They've accepted your 
resume and application. And they said, the good thing is the lady who's just going to start with you just got her degree, but she has no experience. And it looks like you have no degree, but you have the experience with children. So we could work together, two for one deal. <laughs> so I raised the money at my church in one Sunday morning, $5,000, got a flight, left for Germany. And then while I was there, we lived in a forest, and I knew why, how in the world did that happen? And they said, it is an old Nazarene campground that pulled out a couple of years ago. I'm like, Nazarene? Never heard. Church of the Nazarene. I what is that? You know, and so I was supposed to be there for a year. I ended up being there six years. And then I came home for a camp meeting with um, Steve Parker, who was now a Nazarene, uh, but he wasn't when he preached that one. And um, and God spoke to me and said, OK, you're going back for one year, but then I expect you to come back home. And I was like, oh, man, I loved it there. God taught me so much more about who he was and the beauty of his creation and people and unity and diversity and how we're all supposed to be living at peace together only in Christ, of course. But so I was kind of hesitant to really want to leave. I mean, I loved it. He taught me about kind of family of when he taught in the Bible, who are my mother, brothers and sisters. They're the ones who follow me. And so I have a different appreciation for family and for church family. Um, but I came home and I became a teacher at my sister Erica's Christian school that she and her husband started. And uh, after the third year, I felt like God was saying, okay, I'm getting ready to change something again for you. And so I just took a step of faith. He didn't tell me to resign, but I resigned anyway. And everybody was like, are you sure? And then on the day I was cleaning up everything to go home, last day of school, Steve Parker walked in my room. And he had been my mom and dad's pastor at a, a non-denominational church before he came to Nazarene. So he's like, what you doing, Bobby Joe? I knew him from just seeing him time and time coming in from Germany, going to mom and dad's new church and all that and family history. And I said, well, I'm packing up. He said, why? Where are you going? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just figured I'd take a step of faith. God is moving me on. He's like, well, I'll tell you what. I'm coming up here. I'm Nazarene now. And I'm coming up to do a new start in Salem, Virginia. And I'd like to talk to you about becoming my prayer pastor. And so we met and we talked and um, talked about the difference between the Church of the Nazarene and the Baptist. And I totally agreed. I never thought you could sin. And I even, you know, went to my pastor's office and showed him some of the Bible. We talked about a few things uh, at the other church. So I said, well, this is for me. This is apparently where God wants me. And I said, I would love to come on staff. And uh, he said, but first you need to stay here another year because, you know, we just won't be able to pay you, but we'd love to still have you. And I said, that's fine. And I worked another year and I became prayer pastor. And then in, I think that was 2007 or 8. Um, and then, this is really long, but then New Year of 2011. So between the last day of 2010 and 11, God said, okay, time to do a little prayer and fasting. I've never really done much of that. And I'm like, okay. And he said, 10 days. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, can I still have my coffee? <laughs> um, <laughs> Good question. Coffee and water. So I prayed and fasted for 10 days, and I still did not know the concept of entire sanctification. I wasn't really, it hadn't really been, um, I mean, we talked about it, but it wasn't really, uh, in depth. And so God was taking me through a process of showing me um, my inner sins, not sins that I did outwardly because I knew right from wrong. I knew the things you do and the things you don't do. And I wanted to please God. And of course, a little bit of pride there. I wanted people to know and think. Yeah. I was a good Christian girl. <laughs> I was still single. I didn't want guys to doubt. Um, or anything like that. So it was a little bit of pride. He was giving me some humility and showing me some of the inner sins of my heart, even though I had no name for it at that point. 
And he began showing me things and began showing me, you need to confess it and to repent and allow me to take that out and clean it up, in my words. And so I allowed him to do that, obviously. Um, again, I had to, because I, if I didn't, I knew, I'd be the only one who knew I wasn't obedient, but that would affect my relationship with him and other people. And then the ultimate at the 10 days was, he said, there's still a little bit of forgiveness that I know you've given, and you think you've completely forgiven, but I want that person to know. And it was like, dum bum 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 <laughs> Like, okay. He's like, you remember when you were eight years old? And I'm like, ah, yes. I want you to go to that person, and I want you to tell him you forgive him. And I was like, okay. Um, I was like, he's a grown man. He professes to have a relationship with you, and now i got to kind of pack it all up. <laughs> That's a little difficult, Lord. And he said, trust me. So praying all my way to the house, knocked on the door. No one was there but him, and um, began to talk. And I said, listen, God's been doing a lot of changes in my life. And um, then he told me I had to come to you and let you know that I forgive you. And um, so here I am. And uh, he began to, to cry and he asked for forgiveness. Mm. And um, it was just a, um, a healing moment, I think, for both of us just to know. And, and I told him, you know, this is the ultimate obedience right now. If I didn't do it, I don't think I could do what God is going to call me to next, which I don't know what it is. But I had to do this. And so now I can go and I can see the person and have no really even recollection. It's amazing how that forgiveness God allowed me to forget so much. Yeah. I mean, I'm even at moments that, okay, let me just try. And then God's like, no, and I can't. And it's wonderful. And he doesn't do that for everyone, but that he did. And so it was, that was in, you know, January of 2011. And then um, that same year, I think it was Dr. Nina Dunter that summer, she came, I was missions president, and she came and was our speaker for camp. And she talked on entire sanctification, and I had word for it. And I went up again, ultimately, that ultimate knowingly surrender, past, present, future, accomplishments, failures, everything, just gave it over to the Lord. And that weekend, God called me to preach. Mm. So little acts of obedience, surrender, or I don't think he could have entrusted me with it. And I still am amazed and don't understand it all. But that's when he called me to preach. And uh, Pastor Steve was preaching on the woman at the well, and he was offering her living water. And at that moment in the PowerPoint, Jesus turned around and he looked at me Mm. and he said, will you accept? And I'm like, I'm already saved. What are you wanting me to accept? And he said, will you accept? I was like, yes, but what is it? He's like, no, but (laughs) will you accept? And so I said, yes. And then I turned down in my Bible and it flipped from the book of John to first Peter chapter five, where he's speaking to the elders of the church and caring for the flock Mm. and not doing it for money, not doing it for selfish gain, you know, in the version you use, but to do it because it's what I've asked you to do, what God has asked you to do. So at that moment I knew I'm calling you to preach. And he, he did some things that morning as well that let me know one older gentleman who was in a wheelchair, a neighbor who had started coming to church a couple of years earlier. He was like, I love to hear you sing, but one day I'd love to hear you preach. Mm. And so it's just so many things. So 2011, God called me to preach. 2012, I met Marlon and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> <laughs> but history nonetheless. Wow. That's powerful testimony. Of what God can do with a surrendered life and just that obedience of getting to that point of, okay, you know, I'm willing just to give up this job right now um, because I know something's coming. And just the the grace of God to send Steve and say, well, stay another year. You know, that year has been, as you look back, you pull the thread of events (laughs) in your life. Um, One year has been significant many times um, in your life. But yeah, that's when you said about Steve Parker 
uh, walking into your room. Like I could just hear his voice. Like if you know Steve Parker, who, you know, grew up uh, on Harker's Island, right? Yeah, I grew up with Carrie Willis. You um, can just, I can just hear him coming in and calling you by name. Yeah. That's powerful. Just when God puts people in our lives that can speak into us and sees potential. I was just talking to someone this morning who someone is seeing potential in them, but they haven't seen that potential. And so it caused them to be a little confused about, well, because I thought this was going to be my life. And now this person's speaking um, that there's more. And um, that's Mm -hmm. how God works. He brings uh, people into our lives to to speak. And I'm just amazed at how, um, as your grandmother made her exit uh, Marlon yeah. made the entrance that's just oh, beautiful beautiful it is God, it's, it's amazing because she wanted to see me married but to an older man and someone who would quote unquote just take care of me Aww. and <laughs> through all the support of becoming a, a pastor through many doubts because quite people question and ask even from the Baptist background and you know you're sinning you're being disobedient God doesn't call women and yet knowing the call and having the scripture of the call and the support of it and of my district family of you guys and of the male pastors and um, it's just amazing when women pastors or those called ask me have you found it difficult because I found a lot of women have a hard time you like I know I'm like you know what it's not what other people think or feel ultimately it's great to have that support but it's what has God told or asked you to do do it with all your heart to bring glory and to please God you're not trying to please man. You're not trying to be better than a man. You're not trying to put yourself forward. You still fall under authority and submission at the right time to one another. But you are serving the Lord, and this is why you're here, to fulfill the purpose of God for your life and for the other people around you. And we can't get stuck on, I'm a man or I'm a woman or um, growing up, you know, I was told you can't do anything right. It's what has God created you to be, because right. if we can grasp hold of that, and allow people to speak into our lives and not believe the lies of the devil, then it's amazing what God can do. Just don't get in his way. You know, we get in our own way. <laughs> yeah. We live for an audience of one. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, and it's so easy to hear all the voices. And um, oh, yeah. just there's so many places that we could go in Scripture um, of women. But Jesus, you know, I just think even think about taking the gospel. Um mm. You know, he appeared first to a woman and told her to go tell the guys. Um, you know, that's taking the good news to men, actually. So it's, yeah. you know, and I'm grateful to be a part of that heritage, you know, that that's a part of, you know, of what I believe. And we have to be in a place that we can engage in the gospel in a way that we have to be in a place where we engage the gospel in a way that fits us. You know, that's like right. there's a lot of places within God's word that different denominations are going to see that differently. And we really have to be at the place that we engage and feel like that, that we emulate that and that it fits for us. And um, I know when I got to the Nazarene church, I was home. Uh, (laughs) And um, for such a time as this, God's placed us here to share the gospel and to preach. And so thank you for sharing just that journey and how intimate that relationship has been from a six-year-old but yet 
realizing, and this is just such an important piece, we can do all of the things. We can go through the list of the do's and don'ts. Right. And we can feel like that we're a pretty good person because we're not breaking any of those rules. But yet we find a heart that needs a good cleansing. Um, Absolutely. And that we serve a gracious God that does that work that we can't do on our own. But I say often when we accept Christ, we get all of Jesus, right? But when we're sanctified, he gets all of us. Yeah. And that's where that filling of the Holy Spirit and where he takes up full residence. There's no rooms blocked off. That's uh, right. He gets it all. It's powerful. Well, Bobby Joe, thank you for joining (laughs) us on today's broadcast of Hope Talks. Uh, Maybe just in closing, anything else you want to share that we haven't asked you already or you haven't shared already? Oh, it's just been a privilege. Thank you so much. And uh, I pray that this encourages someone today. And um, yeah, thank you. Sure. And I just have to say that uh, you mentioned that coffee is a pretty (laughs) important part of your life um, at one moment. And I think uh, that might be a pretty important part to Marlon's story as well as I believe when he was in Waynesboro as the pastor, he had his own espresso machine there in the church. And then I will have to say, I remember seeing you all together for the first time in Fredericksburg at a district Uh assembly. And I was like, wow, that is so awesome. So it's just so cool today to hear the rest of the story. So thank you for sharing with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And and Marlon also, uh, his testimony uh, we did back in uh, July of uh, 2019, July 7th. You can find that on our website, cotnaz.org slash hope-talks. And uh, thank you both for serving the people there in Virginia Beach and Norfolk and uh, for answering the call of God on your life. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard uh, Pastor Bobby Joe King's testimony today, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.